This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number 82. On today's Get Ruthed Coaching episode, we're talking to Juliana Poplin, the founder of The Simplicity Habit, about overcoming perfectionism and deciding when and how to launch your first product. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. Today's episode was brought to you by Elite Blog Academy, our online program that teaches you step-by-step how to build a successful, profitable, and sustainable online business. Whether you already have a business or you're just thinking about starting one, EBA provides a comprehensive and proven approach to refining your message, growing your audience, and generating a sustainable revenue. With more than 11,000 students in 60 countries worldwide, we know exactly what works and what doesn't. And our goal is to help you create a business that you love. If you are interested in finding out more, we invite you to join our free training just for podcast listeners at doitscared.com slash EBA. Once again, that's doitscared.com slash EBA. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I'm the founder of Living Well Spending Less and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of six books, including my newest book, Do It Scared. In today's Get Ruth Coaching episode, we're talking to EBA student Juliana Poplin. Juliana is the founder of The Simplicity Habit, a business devoted to helping women who are currently overwhelmed by stuff in their life become less so. She writes about decluttering, organizing, and finding simpler ways to manage all aspects of your life. Things she gets fired up about are writing, especially when she writes something that actually helps someone else. But she struggles with trying to figure things out like SEO and trying to keep up with what seems like an online business world that is always changing. Right now, she really needs help with figuring out what kind of product to launch as she thinks she might be ready, but she's not quite sure. She'd also like some honest feedback on what she's built so far because in her words, most people are just too nice to be honest. We're going to dive into Juliana's business in just a minute, but before we do, I want to make sure that you know that you can download the show notes for this episode, along with all the links to everything that we're going to be talking about, including Juliana's website, by visiting doitscared.com slash episode 82. Once again, that's doitscared.com slash episode 82. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to head over to doitscared.com to take our free fear assessment to find out exactly how fear might be showing up in your life and potentially holding you back, as well as to discover exactly what you can do about it. And then while you're there, remember that you can also sign up for our free business training masterclass at doitscared.com slash EBA. Okay, my friends, without further ado, let's see what we can do to help Juliana figure out the perfect product to launch. Juliana, it's so good to see you again. Thank you for joining me today. 
Thank you for having me. Are you excited or nervous? Very. Not nervous? Um, tiny bit of both, but more excited than nervous. Okay. That's good. More or less excited and nervous than you were to give me a random pair of jeans when we met in person. <laughs> that that was less intimidating. I felt like, you know, this is going to go one of two ways. I think I think it should go well. I feel like I know her well enough that it's going to be okay and not too weird. And maybe it will mean she doesn't forget me. I didn't forget you. You were the first person to ever randomly give me a pair of jeans. Just because and for the got- first question I asked you, what's your in-scene rather than even like an introduction? Yes, so was- yes. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, if you're listening, my inseam is 37 inches. Very long. With very long legs. Not common. All legs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's enough about my legs. Let's talk about your business. <laughs> <laughs> and why don't we just start by kind of getting the brief overview. What What is your business called? What, who's your avatar, who you're trying to serve, what's going on, and what are you struggling with right now? Sure. Um, so my website is The Simplicity Habit. I started it about a year ago in uh, March of 2018. Uh, the backstory on that was when we moved from California to Washington about five years ago, we had tons of stuff. And I started feeling like, ugh, there's too much stuff. But my kids were one in three, so I didn't really do much about that at the time. And then um, come a few years into our living here, I was trying to do other like side gigs. One of them was rehabbing furniture because I'm super good at finding stuff that's either free or cheap. And so I was doing that for a little bit until we could no longer park any cars in our three-car garage. And then I was like, I can't take it anymore. I'm turning it around. And so I interestingly went from furniture rehabber to professional declutterer. Um, so I did. Wow. My, yeah. Kind of weird. But um, I did my own house. <laughs> 180. I know. I know. It really was. And then I started working with clients um, kind of around my girls school schedule at the time um, since they were still pretty little. And then I did that for about two years. People knew I was super passionate about the topic. And I was in mops at the time and spoke on decluttering at my local mops group. And then from there, I think it was maybe like three months after that, you opened EBA, which I honestly hadn't heard of yet because I wasn't super interested in blogging until I saw that boot camp. And right at that boot camp was when I started the blog. And so that was March 2018 is when I bought EBA and have been starting to work through that ever since. So about a year and a half now. So you were starting from zero a year and a half ago. Yes. No website, no nothing. Right. And like 23. 13 or 2014 for about two seconds, I thought I was going to be a DIY blogger. And I, <laughs> I did, I think maybe one or two posts. And I was like, this is terrible. I'm never doing this again. Cause it kind of like ruined the whole joy of like the project was ruined yes. to like write it down. I was like, this yeah. is so slow. This is awful. It so. is very intense to write down DIY projects. Yeah. I can, I can attest to that. That's why I don't do that anymore. On exactly. My blog. <laughs> yeah. So that's why that blog died after two posts and I had no idea what I was doing anyway. So that was pretty easy to let that one go. That's hilarious. So what? So how are things going now? Like, give me some stats. Sure. Um, so I did a couple things out of order, and it's okay if you roof me. I'm prepared. Um, the first thing. Oh, I really? That's the first thing you're gonna tell me? I know. What's okay? I just figured we get it all out of the way. <laughs> um, the one thing I did that was a little out of order was trying to get my design to look good um, earlier on than I was supposed to. And that was because I just know, I know me and I'm not motivated to work on something if I feel like it doesn't look good. Like if I'd be embarrassed to send people the link because I thought my site looked like I was super amateur, which <laughs> I was, um, I, <laughs> I, just, I wanted to look more professional than I felt, I guess. 
So um, I did spend more time getting started than I probably should have. Um, so starting to write regularly didn't happen for me until probably the middle of last fall. And that was when I started my list. And I've also been doing... Um, so wait, hold up a second. Let me get a better sense of the timeline. So yeah. from March when you signed up for EBA to October? Yeah. Six months? I was writing some, but I wasn't in the pattern of doing it regularly every week. You were tweaking. So, you were tweaking your design. I was for getting six the design, months. and I was starting to get a feel for the writing because I just that was totally new to me too. So figuring out the writing and how to do any of the like linking to things and Pinterest, like all that stuff, I was so overwhelmed that it did take me a while to like actually start to get in a rhythm and figure out what on earth I was doing. Yeah, slower start than I'm sure many. Do you? Do you know why you were probably a little overwhelmed? I think it was just a huge learning curve of like so many things that I was trying to figure out at once. Um, like kind of Pinterest, um, like, which we don't do until unit five. Yep. Yep. All of it. <laughs> I just, six. I, it was I know. In 2018, I think it was unit five, right? And that, that it I'm sure I skipped around six. thinking like, I don't want to have to go back and like do it all of it right the second. So hashtag like, not a rule follower. Which is interesting because on the um, assessment, that's what it says I am. But like, I'm a really? rebel rule follower. Apparently I, you are the rebel rule follower because normally my rule followers are the ones who do really well. You're I'm <laughs> off the grid. They I follow don't know. all the steps. So they're uh, off the grid. So for the record, doing things in order, there is a reason that we have the order that we have. Mm-hmm. And and that is kind of a long time to go yeah. and feeling and you are probably feeling overwhelmed because you were trying to do too many things at once. So yeah. Really and I think it's maybe slows your like the perfectionist part. So those are like my top ones is like rule follower, which I do like structure. And normally I would like follow things in order. But I think part of like the perfectionist side of me was like, I want to have it done right the first time and not feel like I have to go back and do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Feel free to yell at me. I'm, I'm prepared. You know, that's literally having an online business. You're always doing everything again, right? Like that's all you ever do is oh, do yeah. things again and change it and figure it out and do it a little bit better. Are you over that now, you think? Yeah. Are you over I mean, that I, hump? That is true because like I would go back now and look at the my earlier posts from last year and I'm like, oh, that and I've started redoing all of them. Um, so I, I yes, I did understand that. I just had unrealistic unrealistic expectations, I think. Okay. Okay. So I'm up to speed a little bit. So you, then you started writing in the fall. I don't think I'm up to speed. Okay. So yeah, fall, fall I was writing regularly. Ago. And by mid-fall, I had started my list. Um, and then I did another breaking rule thing. Um, so I <laughs> I created a product. and Oh my uh, gosh, this is going to be a long session. <laughs> <laughs> I created a short, it was just a workbook that I created as a product that I... Um, requested to be in the productivity bundle, the first one that they did. And since they accepted it, which again was like, what? You're good. Okay. So I created that and promoted the productivity bundle that was in, um, that was from the ultimate bundles, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the only product I've created, but I did do that well before I had a thousand on my list. And I, I don't regret doing that because I think it was a good experience to like, see how things go promoting for when I actually had my own products. It was kind of like a good my hand held through it. And that's the only thing I've made money on really so far. So that was helpful too, to have a little bit of income. Um, so yeah, I did that out of order. Um, 
but then my list, so I've been working really this year since the beginning of 2019. I'm back on track, working on um, trying to build traffic and grow my list. And last week, I just made it to 1,000 subscribers. Hey, congratulations. Thanks. So now you're ready for your baby seed lunch. Yes. That's the next thing I'm mentally preparing for. Okay. So how much traffic are you getting right now? Yeah. So that's the bad part. My traffic is not great. I have on average 300 to 500 sessions per day. And that is mostly Pinterest. Um, I do get some Google. I do a lot of guest posting. That's one thing that's really helped me grow my list and grow my audience. Mm -hmm. So I will have spikes when I do a guest post that is a good fit. Um, And I'm still working on doing some more of those. Um, But my regular traffic on its own without me doing guest posting is fairly low. 300 to 500 a day isn't terrible, though. Yeah. So what is that a month? How many unique uniques um, a month? I want to say, well, it's hard because I've had a couple spikes thrown in there. I don't, definitely don't have enough to qualify for Mediavine. Uh, the recent months, I've had around 15,000 sessions for the last, probably okay. over the summer. That's what it was because I had a couple guest posts in there that would spike the traffic for just maybe a few days to a week, and mm-hmm. then it would go back to... But assuming to- that you'll continue to have those kind of spikes... Mm-hmm. So have you had, have you had anything that's really hit, like been the sort of, oh my gosh, this is, this one is taking off. Have you had any posts like that? On my own site? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the one that has been the most popular the last maybe four to five months is one that I wrote called Living Simply in a Consumer Culture. Oh. And so, yeah, that one is still keeps being, it's the one that has the most hits like repeatedly. So I did do a spinoff post on that. Um, called Raising Kids to Live Simply in a Consumer Culture. So it was kind of like the parenting spinoff of it. That hasn't really picked up yet. That was only a couple weeks ago that I did that one. And then um, not the last live, but I think the one before it, you told me to write a controversial post. And so I did, <laughs> I did that this week. And it was- You did? Uh-huh. Ooh, what was the controversy? Yeah, it's um, why parents should stop paying for college. Ooh. Yeah. I think I saw that one when I went onto your site. Oh yeah, it's the it's yeah. on the top. And I thought, oh, that's a good that's a good controversial post title. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was going to be controversial, but then I asked people who had kids in college, and they assured me it was. Yeah. So did has has that one gotten some traction? Um, it hasn't had a ton of hits. I've had more feedback on that one, but not where it's picked up like crazy or anything. But I mean, I just posted that on Monday, so I don't know. Okay. If it also hasn't had enough time yet. But. To start getting shared and... Yeah. See, I'm trying to follow rules. I'm trying to listen. (laughs) Well, might as well start now, right? (laughs) Yeah. 2019. (laughs) So... So what what are the things that you're struggling most with? If if you want my eyes on your business, you want my eyes on your blog, where where do you feel like this is what I really need help, help with? I would like to see an increase in traffic. Um, I would like, I'm, that's really kind of what I've been focused on and trying to figure out. But then beyond that, now trying to think about what is going to be the best product for my audience. So kind of those two things, like, do I need to get more traffic before I move on to the next part? Or do I do both simultaneously? Kind of, And then just trying to get a vision for what would be um, products to create that would be helpful and that would be just like a good fit. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Well, so first, tell me how much you're po- how many times a week you're posting. 
over the summer, I was just doing once a week, um, which I know is not enough. Uh, but with my kids home, it was just super hard to even get that. Um, but I'm trying to move it back up to two or three since they started school yesterday. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely be the first step is to get more posts up there. If you're only posting once a week, you need to start posting at least three times a week until your traffic is to where you want it to be. Do you have a goal of where, where you want your traffic to be before you can feel like, okay, I'm, I think I'm, I'm on the right track with traffic? Yeah, the goal for me, I mean, the next goal for me, I don't have any ad networks yet. I wanted to qualify for Mediavine before starting that. Um, so that has kind of been the big goal, which is 25,000. 25,000 for Mediavine. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting closer. You're like two thirds of the way there. So mm -hmm. that's pretty good. And so, yeah, until you get hit that point, I would definitely be posting three times a week, making sure that you are pinning like crazy, making multiple pins for every post. I don't know if you're already doing that and, yep. and testing out different pins and also optimizing like crazy for SEO and making sure that you're, you're doing all of those things. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that I noticed on your site itself, um, give me your URL again. It's the simplicity Um, I thought that your why parents should stop paying for college title was actually good. That was like more of an attention grabber, but I thought that some of your, some of your post titles probably could be a little more clickbaity um, and, and drawing like, so I would maybe just test out on your existing posts, especially some of your um, ones that you think have good potential, but you're like, I wonder why this hasn't taken off. I would maybe test out some new post titles and new pins without having to actually write all the new posts that can, that can actually help. You never know what's going to be the thing that takes off. I've tried doing that in Pinterest a lot, kind of thinking of different angles for things and writing more like clickable things for that. But I haven't actually changed any of the um, titles themselves for like Google um, just because of the forwarding and stuff. But do you think, go ahead and try that too, just to see what happens? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And so this thing, this is my interesting part about your blog. This is what I thought when I saw it, because I've met you in person yeah. and I you were very funny and and just outgoing and had a big personality. And I came to your when I first clicked on your blog, I was very surprised because it's so calm and soothing and <laughs> subdued. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem I feel like there might be a disconnect between your blog and your personality. Interesting. I think my goal when I set it up was to have like that kind of feeling since I write about simplicity and decluttering. I think I felt like, and I'm, I don't tend to be like a super bright color person, like in life, like I don't dress like that. I don't. So I think I kind of was like trying to get the vibe of it, like being calm. Mm -hmm. um, and some of my writing, I definitely will put like some sarcasm or some humor in it. Um, but not probably not in all of them. So you think it's maybe just look at trying to, liven it up a little bit? I would look at trying to liven it up a little bit. It just, I, I mean, it's beautiful. It really is. The first, my, that was my first thought as soon as I went on there. It's, you know, very muted colors. Your images are beautiful. Um, I'm assuming some of these are stock photos, but they look really, really good, not cheesy. Um, it's, it's 
really, really nice. And yet it feels a little bit dull. Yeah. And I don't know if I would think that if I hadn't met you before and if you hadn't left such a good, big, fun first impression on me, I think I would have just thought, oh, this is really beautiful sight. But I think now that I have met you and have seen your personality and seen there's that, that kind of funnier side to you, mm-hmm. that this that would not come across to me uh, in, this, in, in this site. That would not be my first impression. So I don't know if that matters to you or not, but I think sometimes that the thing that sets blogs apart from any other business and the reason that I think blogging is such a powerful way to promote your business is because it's very personal and there's people will be drawn to you more than they're drawn to your content. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. you would need to have something that's there to, to, bring them in or grab their attention, you know, that, so that's why you do the images and that's why you try the different pins. Cause there has to be, there has to be something to hook them. But Mm -hmm. once they get there, it's your personality ultimately that's going to make them stay or to want to keep coming back to have that. Oh, I like this girl, this girl, this girl and me, she, we're the, we're we're like this or whatever, like Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And that's where I'm, I'm not saying it's not there because I haven't dug enough into all of your content and everything, but the first impression of the blog, it, 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 and visually it's stunning. I couldn't, I can't say a bad thing about it. It's beautifully done. It really is. It just didn't, it seemed like there was a disconnect for me. Hmm. So how would you go about trying to add some more interest, personality to it? Would I mean, is that by like theme, by colors? Like, what would you suggest? Yeah, it, it's a little it's a little of both. I mean, I think you can still have it very clean, but have it feel maybe just slightly more playful. Right now, it doesn't have any sort of playfulness to it at all. And I, that's how I think I would have described your personality as a little bit more fun fun than than what comes across here. This feels like a very serious blog. And yeah. you don't seem to me yeah. to be a very serious person. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Even your picture is um, is not like doesn't convey a sense of fun or just lightness. It, I mean, it's beautiful. You're again, your picture is beautiful. It's a beautiful headshot. There's nothing wrong with it, and you look friendly. It's not like you look scary or anything like that. But you, it's, it's very, it's like, a, oh, here's this angel of decluttering who's so <laughs> calm and smooth. All the, like, that's what I would think of you. It's, it's, it's almost got, even got this like haze kind of filter on it with mm-hmm. which some of your other pictures have that same filter on it. And it, and mm-hmm. it's just lovely. <laughs> but that's so funny. Very calm. My picture before the picture I had on there before was very <laughs> serious. It's like my hair blowing in the wind and I'm not even smiling. And I actually had a couple people tell me, they were like, it looks too intimidating. And I was like, really? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And and honestly, I mean, we haven't talked much about your avatar yet, but honestly, I think if what you're going for is more approachable, um, an approachable yeah. sort of approach to decluttering and getting your life in order, then it has to have that kind of approachable feel when you when you come here I I would be a little intimidated I can this is this would be a little bit intimidating for me I think okay that's good to know 
I will look into that. Okay. So what else? So then I think it for me, it's um, increasing posts, obviously, to get the traffic, but then trying to think of what should the first solo product be? Yeah. Your first solo product. So tell me more about your avatar. So she's 32 and has three kids and she's overwhelmed with her home and her life and um, is overcommitted and just trying to figure out how to like make life work and not be so stressed out, feeling like she's running around crazy all the time. Okay. And what's her name? Jane. Jane. Mm-hmm. And what have you thought Jane needs? Both to stop overcommitting and saying yes to everybody. She's a people pleaser, so she has a hard time having boundaries and drawing lines. Um, so that's part of it. And then also just trying to get control over her home. She tends to kind of be a people pleaser to her kids too. The house is full of clutter and she can't keep up with it all. So she's kind of looking for something to fix that and kind of regain control of her life. Does Jane know she's a people pleaser? Yeah. She does. Does Mm -hmm. she recognize it as a problem or does she take pride in the fact that she cares about other people? Uh, More takes pride in it. Thinks it's a good thing because she likes to feel useful and helpful. And there's, I think, some identity stuff wrapped up in that thinking like, I like to be this Tell me more about this identity stuff. Um, I think a lot of the time, well, for her, being a people pleaser, part of it, the identity is, yes, I'm the one that helps. Yes, I'm the one that like shows up. Yes, I'm the one that you can count on. Um, so I think some of the feeling of I want people to like me is also that's why I say yes to things. And that's why I agree to do more than I should, because that's who I am. Gotcha. So what Jane actually needs and what she thinks she needs is probably not the same thing. True. So what does Jane think that she needs? Probably more time in the day. She okay. thinks she needs to figure out how to manage her time better somehow, or there's some magic fix where she could still say yes to all the things and not feel crazy. Okay. And so she she needs to feel like so what you need to sell to her is more time. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard the have you ever heard the saying sell them what they want but give them what they need? Yes. That's what you have to do. So when it comes to your product, and this is something to really pay attention to, especially you've got a thousand people on your email list. I'm assuming that you're emailing them and Mm -hmm. asking for feedback and getting comments and questions, but really pay attention to the phrases that they're using with you and repeat those phrases back and almost like mirror them in your copy. But ultimately what you need to sell is more time. And what you need to give her are better boundaries. Does that make sense? Which will give her more time. She just does, you can't sell her more better boundaries because she doesn't think she needs that. What you need to sell her is more time. Okay. So how do you go about selling (laughs) some more time? (laughs) Well, you have to have something to sell. So it could be, I mean, it could be anything. It could be a... Or, or, home organization binder or a, a some sort of time management system that you present in a, as a course. You could present it as a ebook. You could present it as a regular book. There's lots of different ways to do it. So I would suggest for 
for your baby seed launch, if you're talking about your first product, I like to do, I think baby seed launches are the most effective as courses mm-hmm. and something that you have outlined, but not necessarily um, actually done all the stuff for. So this is going to be hard for you because you're like the person who will spend the next six months creating everything all perfectly and it'll be all designed and it'll be beautiful and it'll have all the stuff, but it won't, or you'll think it'll have all the stuff, but it won't actually have all the stuff because you don't know exactly what Jane needs yet. You're not, this is new. You haven't, you don't know the things that are going to come up when you start teaching the things that mm-hmm. you think you need to teach her because right. other stuff is going to come up. And then you're like, oh crap, I didn't include that in the course. That's mm-hmm. why you do this as a baby seed lunch, as a beta mm-hmm. test, it's called. You don't develop all the content yet. You do it live. You teach it live or you teach it you know, it doesn't have to actually be a live video. You can record a video each week and then send it to your people and then get feedback on it and have them ask you questions. And then the next week's video is addressing those those exact questions and those problems and, and making it more interactive. Okay. So if you're doing a beta, what is like a good goal for how many people to have in it? Um, any people? <laughs> We were not going to get a ton of feedback, right? Honestly, though. Yeah. I mean, more than two would be great to have (laughs) if uh, with a list of, and it often, it depends on price point. Mm -hmm. Um, but for something like this, especially if you think it's honed in having even like 10 or 20 people for the first time, you've, your list is only a thousand. So that's not a huge list. Um, so normally that's like a, you can see like a one and a half percent conversion rate would be about average a lot of times from your total list. So what is that? 15 people. It's not a ton of people, Um, but that's okay. You don't need a ton of people the first time. You just need really engaged people. And when there's a smaller group, you tend to have more engaged people and you can get them answering, asking lots of questions. And it's very interactive and it's very hands-on. And that's how you promote it also. So you're Mm -hmm. selling them what they want, which is more time. And when you're talking about it, you're saying, you know, this is, this is a beta launch. It's just for a few people. I'm just trying something out. It's going to be very interactive. It's a little bit like group coaching because we're going to be working on this stuff together. And you, and then you get those people in and you use that feedback that they're giving you to actually help you create the course. And that way, when you really launch it, you know that you've got a proven product and you've got something that is actually helping people get the results that you're promising because that first group, you're going to, you're promising them more time. So gosh, darn it, you got to figure out how you're going to give them more time and you're going to have to look at what that looks like. So there's, there's pressure from that standpoint, but it's good pressure because they're helping you, they're helping tell you what they need. And all you're really doing is serving their needs. Okay. I had kind of two directions. I thought when I started envisioning courses, I kind of thought of two different things, which I feel like would be too big to tie into one course. The first was just decluttering your home, kind of going through step-by-step room by room, how to do that. The other one was more like declutter your life, which would be more like scheduling, um, all the clutter. That's not like the physical clutter in your house. Yeah. Do you have a sense for like, which one would be better one to start with? I think I'm probably more well-known since I've written more about the decluttering your home part. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you have a sense like if it matters which one to start with first? Um, I would start with the one that you 
feel feel most excited about and the f- one that you feel like you have the most ability to just jump in and get it done. Honestly, okay. that's where that's where I would start. You don't because at this point nothing. You don't know anything about anything. You don't know how any of it is going to to go. And I and I I can sense that this is something that comes up with you a lot. Like just based on the fact that it took you 6 months to tweak your blog before you felt like you could actually start. You want things to be right. You want things to be perfect. You want to know what's going to happen. You want to be able to like say, okay, now here I'm going to have this many people and this is what's going to, you don't know though. This is, that's part of entrepreneurship is that you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. I have products that I think are amazing and are going to take off like gangbusters and everybody's going to love it. And they are want, 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 like nobody buys it. And I have other stuff that I've, like, I can't even believe that anybody's going to buy this. And it ends up being so exciting. I mean, Elite Blog Academy is one example of that. (laughs) I was like, I don't even know if anybody's going to be interested in this. And it just took off. It's like the cornerstone of my business now. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just never know, but you, you will never know what actually works until you start trying things. So, and that's what you have to, that's the attitude that you have to take going into it as an entrepreneur. You have to say, this is just something I'm going to try to see how it goes. And it might be great. It might not be great. People might love it. They might hate it. I might sell 20, which would be amazing. Or I might sell two, which will be Oh, less amazing. And then I know at least at that point that it's maybe not the most viable product idea. Maybe I need to try a different direction. But either way, you'll have more answers. If you mm-hmm. like, you just need answers right now. And the only way to get the answers and to find out what works and what doesn't work is to test it and try it and put it out there and see how people respond to it. So how do you decide how you're going to price it? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I just often guess. Sometimes it's too low. Sometimes it's too high. Sometimes it's just right. Uh, Sometimes I start lower and then raise the price. Uh, And sometimes I look around at what other people are selling similar products for. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think, what is the price point that I think will be a little bit of a stretch for people enough of a stretch for people to take it seriously. And some of my products, I'll be honest, I started out lower than I should have with them and then Mm -hmm. found that because of the lower price point, people didn't value them. And so I needed to charge more in order for people to get the right value out of it. I mean, Elite Blog Academy is a great example of that. When I first started selling it in 2014, it was far lower price than it is now. And it has gone up every single year. And I have so many people who <laughs> tell me now, man, I wish I would have bought it five years ago. But the what the reality of what I have found is that, I mean, and you know this as an Elite Blog Academy student, there's it's a ton of work. It is a ton of work. It is it's basically a college course. And so if you are not invested in the course, you will not do all the work. And so people at the first year and the second year when it wasn't, I wasn't charging enough, weren't invested enough in it. They bought it, but they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll just pick and choose what I want to do. And so they didn't get the full benefit out of it. But every year people become more invested in it and therefore the results get better and better and better. So that's what you want to see with yours. So, the, and again, 
you don't know until you put it out there and and try it. I've had I have have some digital products for my for living while spending less that I originally created more as tripwire products, so I didn't price them super high, but they're actually amazing products. And what I found is that they were converting okay at the lower price point, but people weren't actually using them. They weren't paying enough to take them seriously and to actually do anything with them. They're like, hey, yeah, I got this thing, but I didn't even look at it. That's right. They were treating it as a throwaway item because it was at kind of a throwaway price. And so as soon as I raised the price um, significantly, like tripled the price of those things, then now people are like, oh my gosh, these are so amazing because they're actually taking them seriously and using them. So you don't want to price, pricing is always tricky, but you don't want to price things so low that people don't do the work. So in your case, if you're doing a beta test, they're getting a lot of hands-on help from you. It's going to be very interactive. I'm assuming there's going to be, if it's, if it's decluttering your life or even decluttering your house, it's probably going to be a fair amount of work. So you want to make sure that you're pricing high enough that people are invested in the results. They have to be in, because if it, that's where people, people pay attention to and follow through on the things that actually, they actually pay money for. That's very true. When I was debating whether or not to buy EBA, which was funny because I'm not somebody who ever buys anything that's expensive. <laughs> I don't. Um, but when I heard about it, I was like, if I'm buying this, that means I'm doing it. Like there's no like, I'm going to buy this course and see how it goes. No, like if you're buying, if you're investing this money in this, you're going to figure it out and make it happen. So it's I true. can completely see your point. Yep. And that's, and, and that's definitely the case with something like this. Now with something like an EBA course, for example, it's easier to justify the higher price point because it's something that can actually teach people how to make money and how to make an income. And we have all these success stories from something like that. Whereas when you're teaching somebody how to be more productive or how to be more organized, there is a transformation. And again, remember you're selling, you're selling the transformation, you're selling them more time. And that's a valuable, that's a valuable thing to people, but it's not always as valuable as like the two things that you can really charge a premium for are teaching people how to make money and teaching people how to lose weight. (laughs) the things those are like the off the chart things that people will pay for and then below that somewhere in the in your range is more of the productivity get your life in order type of stuff so it's something that people really want but there's going to be a lower price range probably won't be able to charge a thousand dollars for your course but it's possible that you could charge if it's you know 197 297 something like that Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that's kind of seems to be what the range is approximately, I would say it's 100 to 300 is mm-hmm. average. Um, so when you're doing a beta, do you kind of back out of that and say, like, when I'm creating this as a full blown done course, I plan on charging X and then do a certain percentage that you do for beta? Or how do you decide on beta pricing? Um, you can do either. I would say, yeah, when I when I launch this as a course, it's going to be priced this. But if you want to join this first group, um, and work one-on-one with me. Like you could either highlight the fact that they get to work or work with you in a small group in a live setting, that it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more interpersonal, that there's this kind of exclusivity factor that other people won't get. You can charge the same amount, but they get that. You can highlight that. That works mm-hmm. That works better if you're already well-known. So right. you're 
brand isn't quite as established, you, you know, you've got a, a smaller list. So you might want to do, I might want to go more of the discount route. I would still definitely highlight the fact that they get to work mm-hmm. with you, but you don't have sort of the celebrity or pseudo celebrity thing going yet. That's going to help make that more of an attractive um, option. Right. And what do you think of when people have the course all done? So after all the beta is done and you're rolling it out, um, I've heard different opinions on whether or not you order, you like offer different levels. Like here, you just get the course here, you get the course and coaching here, you get, um, so, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. creating different levels of their experience. I mean, you guys do that with EBA. So yeah, we do that with EBA and we've started doing that a little bit more. The good thing about that is that um, people will generally choose the middle option if you have three options. And so it's a great way to get your price point up. Um, Mm -hmm. It does sometimes require offering more stuff or putting together more stuff and making it more complicated, which I don't know that I would recommend necessarily for your beta. I would recommend putting less effort into into the front end um, and you know, you want to put a a little bit of effort into launching it and having a good email sequence and having something that gets your audience excited about it. But I also wouldn't, wouldn't do too much at first because you want to make sure this is a a viable product and you want to make sure that this is something that people are going to be interested in. And that's going to, that's going to sell. You don't, and you don't know that until you sell it. Um, a good example of this is that um, to the the VIP workshops that I've started offering to the EBA students that, that we're going to have some in November here in Florida at my office. I've never done it before. And I literally spent almost no time putting that together <laughs> because it's a that's a beta for me. I don't know if this is going to be something that we do a lot or if it's going to be a little, how it's going to work, but I wanted to put as little time in into it as possible at at the beginning to figure out how it goes. And then later, once I know, yes, this is a viable product or no, this is not a viable product, then I'll put more time into it. Does that make sense? Yes. So if I'm looking at like schedule wise, kind of trying to back out of if I want to plan to do this and want to plan to have the course done at such and such date, like how long do you think is a good amount of time to have it in beta? And like, what would be a good goal for having it completed? So you're at a thousand subscribers now. I would say over the next three to four weeks, I'd like to have you ready to launch something to your list. So having an outline, having knowing kind of what you want to teach, having your sales page done, having your email sequence all written, um, get that, get that done over the next three to four weeks, then get that out there, launch it. So then that'll be another week of launch, do like a five day launch or whatever. And follow the follow the plan that I, I give you a very clear plan. You've probably already read through it. I give you a very clear plan in EBA of how exactly how to launch your baby seed launch. And then make it maybe like a six week course or something like that. And that would be good timing. Um, that would be good timing. So make it like a six week course and have it be, have there be some live element or interactive element so that you can get good feedback. So if you need, if you're going to have 12 lessons and it's two, it's twice a week that you're doing the lessons, or if it's 
six lessons and it's once a week, whatever you decide to do, however you outline it. And then you're creating the course live as you're doing it. You're recording all your sessions, you're recording everything, you're recording the content and you just get it out there, you get the feedback. And once that's over, I would say, then I would take the rest of the year to sort of refine it and make it what you actually want it to be. And then your timing would be perfect for to launch it in January. Okay. And that would be really, really good timing uh, because anything organizing, decluttering, anything like that always does really well in January. That sounds good. I've got a lot of work so to do. So you got a plan. You do have a lot of work to do. So <laughs> I don't I don't think you need any more work than that um, for sure. But I think that's a really good plan. And I think that I'm excited to see what happens. But, I, but really go into it with a mindset of it, this does not have to be perfect. I think that's probably going to be your biggest challenge. I have no doubt that your that your stuff is great. It's beautiful. It's really well thought out. You're a great writer. You're well spoken. Like you have a lot lot going for you and that's amazing. But you will be your own worst enemy if you let the perfectionism be the thing that is constantly holding you back or keeping you from getting started. This does not have to be perfect. In fact, you should strive for it to be as imperfect as possible because all the imperfections are going to help you work out the kinks so that you can launch something that you're really excited about in January. That sounds hard, but good. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Juliana. Is there anything else, anything else I can help you with? Or is I am going to go into your question. So one of of my other big goals, which I know the timing doesn't seem right to do this now, but I do eventually want to write a book. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think it's better to continue to work on other products and then self-publish at some later point? Like I've heard you talk about traditional publishing seems like it's like super stressful. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. I would recommend self-publishing and I would recommend, I definitely recommend self-publishing. I think I would do your course first. Mm -hmm. It might be a goal for, um, for next year at some point. I think there's some really cool things that you can do with self-publishing and that would probably be a whole other, a whole other topic that we could talk about. But, um, Maybe when we do our follow-up session that we could we can talk about that. But okay. I think that it could be a great way, depending on how your course goes, and it could be a great way to actually lead people into your course. So you would kind of reverse it, but you would use it and use a lot of the case studies from your course, from the students that you get in your course, in your book. So you would kind of That's teach nice. similar things. But use all, but you'd be telling a lot of stories of actual people, which would be really, really powerful. So yeah. I don't know if that will be. It depends how your course goes after you launch it. And in the meantime, also you should be building your your email list and really working on that. And we didn't talk about on-site conversion rate. I know you've heard me talk about that plenty yeah. of times um, in office hours and EBA. But that's definitely something that you should be continuing to work on and build up build up your list. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. You know, Juliana struggles with a problem that is so common and not just for entrepreneurs, but for everyone. And that's perfectionism. After starting her blog, it took her six months to actually get going with the writing part because she was so worried about trying to make sure that it was perfect. Guys, that kind of perfectionism can and does hold so many people back from accomplishing their goals 
all the time. We go down into an endless rabbit hole of tweaking and fixing and trying to make it just right, and it prevents us from doing all the essential work that will actually help us move the needle and get to where we want to be. All that to say, in Juliana's case, the first thing that she needs to do is stop worrying about trying to be perfect all the time. The beauty of an online business is that everything is editable. If you don't like something, go back and change it later. It's so much better to just get something out there and start getting feedback than it is to spend an endless number of hours trying to achieve perfection only to find out that something needs to be changed anyway. Perfectionism can easily become the death knell of your business if you let it. And that is something that Juliana will definitely want to keep in mind as she goes forward and especially as she works on launching her product this fall. And just to recap, these were the three biggest action steps that we identified that she needs to take right now. First, Juliana still needs more traffic. With 15,000 visitors a month to her site, she's doing okay and she's definitely well on her way, but her goal is to get to 25,000 so that she can apply for Mediavine, which will then serve ads on her site and help her start generating some much-needed revenue. More people on our site will also mean more opt-ins, which is going to be essential in the coming months. And in order to get more traffic, she needs to start posting at least three times a week, then making sure that she's creating multiple pins and doing a good job of optimizing each post for SEO in order to drive more traffic. The reality is that you never quite know which post is going to be the one that hits it. So until you find that one or preferably multiple ones that are hitting it, keep posting. And while we didn't specifically talk about this on our call, she should also make sure that her on-site conversion rate is staying high, at least above 2 to 3%, so that she can keep adding people to her list. But if she really wants to make money, the next thing that she needs to do is launch her first product. In Elite Blog Academy, this is what we call a BBC launch. And once you hit 1,000 subscribers, you're ready to give it a go. Now, this is where Juliana's perfectionism has the potential to derail her. So the faster that she can get that first product out there to test it and refine it and see how her market responds, the better. You never know what's going to hit and what's not. You have to put it out there and see if people actually bite. Then, once she has a proven product, she can work on cleaning it up and doing a real launch come January, which will be great timing for her particular niche. And then third, although this is much, much lower on the priority list, she might want to consider injecting a little more of her personality into her site. You see, I had the pleasure of meeting Juliana in person this past summer, and I know for a fact that she is more fun than her website looks. Her website is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. But I really feel like the power of blogging comes from authenticity. So the more aligned with her personality she can make her blog, the more it will start to resonate for people, which will only serve to grow her brand. That said... Juliana has a tendency to get lost in a rabbit hole of design and tweaking. And so I don't want her to go there yet. I want her to make some money first. Her blog is beautiful. It will work for now. And then later she can go back and inject more personality into it. All in all, though, I think she is off to a great start. And I'm so excited to see the momentum that starts to build for her as she gets her first product off the ground. In the meantime, 
Don't forget that if you would like to get all the show notes for this episode, along with the links to everything that we just talked about, you can find it all at dowitscared.com slash episode 82. Once again, get all the show notes and links on our website at dowitscared.com slash episode 82. And then while you're there, be sure also to take our fear assessment to find out exactly how fear might be holding you back. And then if you have a business or if you've been thinking about starting a business, be sure to take our free training at doitscared.com slash EBA. Guys, it's really good and it's completely free. So go to doitscared.com slash EBA. And then before we go, I just want to say, as always, that I love hearing from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics you'd like to see addressed here on the podcast, any guests that you'd like to see interviewed, please feel free to reach out either via email or just by messaging me on Instagram. And guys, that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared with Ruth Suka podcast. Thank you, as always, so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, I would love it if you would post a review on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. And speaking of upcoming episodes, don't you dare miss next week's episode because I am talking with the one and only Mark Manson. Mark is the author of the number one New York Times bestselling book. Guys, this book has sold like 6 million copies so far. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... Well, let's just say that he has no problem injecting his personality into his book, (laughs) but he's actually amazing. And the book is pretty good too, if you can get past the bad language. And honestly, it's probably one of my favorite interviews so far. And I promise we found a way to keep it PG. So I will catch you then.